Hey, welcome to Equippers Church Sermon of the Week. My name is John Sparrow. I'm the lead pastor here at Equippers Church, and I'm thrilled you're tuning in. I believe the message you're about to hear is going to encourage you, inspire you, and equip you for life. If you'd like to know more about Equippers Church and ways to partner with us, please visit equipperscc.com. God bless. Welcome. Thank you so much for, for being at church this morning. Um, my name is John Sparrow. Uh, I serve as the lead pastor here alongside a, an amazing team of people. And uh, if you're new, seriously, it means the world uh, that you take time out of your week, the first day of the week, the first fruits of your week, and uh, get in the house of God. I think, personally, that's the best thing you can do for your family. Uh, my dad raised us uh, 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 according to this. Uh, it's not so much focus on your family, it's focus your family. Focus your family. And uh, so I think when you choose and make the decision to come to church and get your kids in an environment where they're hearing the word of God and you yourself are in an environment of worship with fellow believers and in a place to be inspired, uh, that you're focusing your family, you're focusing your life. And uh, I think if we're faithful with that first little part, God takes care of the rest. Can someone say amen? Amen. amen. So it means so much that you're here. Uh, also, big news, Lene and I are expecting a baby boy. Yeah, so they're um, found out Friday we're having a boy, which is so exciting. Uh, I, I secretly was going to be super disappointed if we were going to have another girl. <laughs> Just kidding. We totally prepped ourselves for it, though. <laughs> we walked into the, the, the ultrasound just like getting really excited about having a third girl. And, uh, and then they threw us a curveball again that we're having a boy. So coming July 2020, another boy, Sparrow. Uh, this is, my dad is a twin. Uh, so his best friend in life has been his brother, Mike. My best fr- friend is Mike's son, Josh. So we're Sparrow brothers. Uh, scientifically, we're half brothers because our dads are identical twins. Don't argue that. I will shut you down. And, uh, and so we're, we're now raising the next generation of Sparrow Brothers, uh, and the world ain't ready. It's, it's about to run amok. Um, we'll bail them out. They'll be all right. But we're excited. Uh, glad you're here. Also, just uh, more info and sign up. So we'll start next week on midweeks, kicking off in February. Uh, those are opportunities for people to connect and get in homes and locations outside of a Sunday morning. We believe that's really the life of our church is the relationships that are represented here. And uh, at the moment, there's a bunch of cool opportunities to get connected in the coming season of midweeks. And so uh, get ready for that happening next Sunday. Um, We're in this series at at the moment. Um, If we could go to that presentation, Every Heart, Every Home. Uh, We kicked off uh, last week with part one and I just want to remind you that the reason why we called this Every Heart, Every Home uh, is not because it's clever. Uh, it's not because it sounds nice. Uh, there's actually a moment that my father and I shared earlier in the year last year where we were uh, planning the calendar. We were, we were looking at, at the calendar in my office and I was sitting on my couch and he was sitting in my chair and uh, I don't remember what was spoken. I don't remember really the topic of the conversation. All I remember is that I was overcome by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I leaned back in, in my couch, and my arms were open. I started weeping and thought, well, this is awkward, isn't it, Dad? And, uh, and we both started crying, and I ended up on my face and in my office, this moment encounter under the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and my dad just began to say, every heart, every home, every heart, 
every home, every heart, every home. And it's something that uh, it has become a part of, of my spirit and I hope the spirit of this church that we really go after God's vision for humanity, uh, that every heart, every knee would bow, every tongue confess, and that every home would be full of his goodness, of his reconciliation, of his peace, uh, of his government and peace. There will be no end. That means that every heart, every home. And uh, turn to the person next to you and say, every heart, other person, every home. Every heart, every home. And a little little refresher on last week, part one, I, I spoke about how God's message has always been life. It's been his motive since the very beginning. So the first thing God really said wasn't let there be light, it was life. It was what's the means in which life will happen, and that means was light. And so Genesis 1, motive, life. And his message was light. Let there be light. In John chapter 1, we see Jesus entering humanity as, as light, the light of the world. And so, again, God's motive, life. His message, light. And then the baton gets passed and Jesus looks to the church, to you and I, and he says, you are the light of the world. His motive is the same, life. His method, light. And so right from Genesis through, we can see that God's motive is always life for people, abundant life, that they would experience eternal life, that they experience true life here on earth. And his method by getting that life across is light, you and I, the light of the world. And uh, we talked about a few identifiers uh, of what makes us um, the people of light. We, we decided that praise, prayer, and promise are, are what set us apart as Christians to shine bright in a world that may appear so dark. And so we're simply the light that points to the life. I love that because it takes the pressure off a bit. You don't have to be right. You don't have to have it all together. You just got to be bright. And uh, your light ultimately points to the life uh, that is Christ. And he does the heavy lifting. He does the saving. He's way better at it than you are. Quit trying. (laughs) He's the savior. He's the good one. And uh, we just got to shine bright like a diamond. I was trying so hard to not do that. Yeah, it's scripture. Yeah, yeah, shine like stars in the universe. Um, As Rihanna says, every heart, every home. (laughs) We're going to read some scripture. I'm going to pray. We're going to expound on that scripture a little bit, and then we're going to pray some more, and then uh, we're going to worship together, and then we're going to go home. Cool. Easy enough. It's a little preview of what we do here on Sunday mornings at the Clark Center. Uh, But I'm going to read this passage again uh, out of John chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, you're forgiven, but it's on the Bible in the sky. It says this in John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. How many think that's good news? There was a man, best scripture in the Bible, just a reminder in case you forgot from last week, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's pretty humble this morning. <laughs> Forgive me God. So don't get humbled. Um, Verse 7, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light 
so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. More good news. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, Who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Every heart, every home. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. And right now, we invite your Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, our guide, uh, to help us navigate your scripture, to help us navigate your truth. And uh, I ask God that beyond anything I say or anything that's sung, that you would speak in each person's known language exactly what they need for this day. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you're opening our eyes to your goodness. You're opening our spirits to receive all that you have for us today. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for how good you really are. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, words, Words hold a lot of power. So we just read in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, the Word. And words hold a lot of power. And I don't know if you remember certain scenarios where words were spoken. You know, a, a lot, words can invoke a lot in us. Like a good one is like, I love you. Right? That, that, that has power. I love you. Maybe for some people it's like, it's time to go. <laughs> we can all think of a scenario some people laugh, some people are crying. It, it's time to go. Words, words have power, or, or I'm not going to make it, or I'm sorry, or for some of us, maybe cancer. Words have, they have power. For Linnea and I, the, the, the words that shifted our lives forever were simply a, a term that you've probably never heard of called biliary atresia. It's a rare condition our daughter was diagnosed with at three months old that would shift our lives forever. And so when I hear biliary atresia, it's no longer just information. It's transformational to our lives, our destiny, and our future. So I I don't know what words it has been for your life or continues to be, but words are so much more than just information. Words actually, what what words do, when we hear words, they create new circumstance. (laughs) Words are creative. And so when you hear words, it creates a new reality for you, something that you begin to act upon and shift yourself and posture yourself according to a phrase or words. And so words are so much more than just informational words. They hold so much power. And uh, because they hold so much power, we're going to look at Genesis 1 again, where in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be light, and there was light. See, 
uh, I've got a cousin who's a genius, which is really helpful. My cousin Josh is a really smart guy. Um, he's, he's, I call him a scientist. I don't think legally you're a scientist, but I would consider you a scientist. He's studying to be a mechanical engineer, and he knows a lot about everything. Most of us know like a little bit about everything. He knows a lot about everything. And uh, so I, I had heard through the grapevine about the ever-expanding universe. There's this real theory and this real proven uh, scientific uh, uh, theory ab- about the expansion of the universe. So I talked to Josh about it this week, and I want to talk to you about some. It's called red shift theory. And so there is this idea when we see things coming towards us, uh, the waves are real s- small. Follow with me for a minute. I'm, I'm going to talk like Pat for a second. And, uh, and so the blue light that you see there's light coming towards your eyeballs. It's a short wave pattern, meaning that something's coming towards you. Just like when you hear a siren coming towards you, it's higher pitched. And then when it passes by you and it's going away, it's a lower pitch. It's a longer frequency. This is called red light, red shift theory. And so a man named Edwin Hubble was looking out into the far galaxies, out into the universe in every given direction around planet Earth. And what he noticed is that the light being emitted from everything in the universe was red. It had, a, it had a red hue, it had a red tint, which means that everything that we see beyond right here is getting further away from us. It, it's going away. It's, it's expanding, and now they say it's expanding at a rate they can't even keep up with. they got to come up with new science because the universe is expanding at such a rapid rate. So why does that matter? First thing, it's really cool because if everything's expanding away from us, it means that we're actually the center of creation. (laughs) That's pretty cool. And there's some scientists trying to to disprove this theory with with things that have zero foundation to them. But I love the idea that any direction you look from planet Earth, things are, are spreading away from us. And so I think we can look to a divine creator and say that we're the center of his creation. Can't get our heads around it, but... It's true. The other thing about that that I love is that when God spoke in the beginning, let there be light, he didn't just turn the lights on in the room. There was actually power in his declaration of what he was creating. And and actually what we're finding out is there's no end to it. He said, let there be light. He created the heavens and the earth, and they're not stopping. (laughs) They're, They're going and going and going and going, and we'll never find the end to them. But what we can know is that they are growing at an accelerated rate just by one word. Let there be, and there was, and we can know now that there's no end to what God said, let there be. And I love this that was said about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 that we read around Christmas. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here it is. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. (laughs) His word, Jesus, goes out. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. (laughs) The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. There's no end to God's government and his peace. And so in John 1, we read about the word of God which we know to be Jesus himself. Jesus is what God wanted to say. <laughs> how, how do I explain myself? How do I explain my motives? What, am I, what do I want to say? 
Jesus. His word became flesh and dwelt among us. It was beyond what could be articulated audibly. It had to be personified through human beings. So what does God want to say? Jesus. And to his word that was spoken, there's no end. His, to his government and his peace, it, it, it keeps going and going and going and going. And I, I want to make a case, just kind of some beginning scriptures in, in John chapter 1 of, of how this actually works and what this really looks like and how we enter into this story. See, in, in John 1, we're going to go back to the best verse in the Bible, verse 6 in John 1. <laughs> there was a man sent from God whose name was John. But here's the key. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And so John gets this idea that the light has come. And John intuitively knows that by prophetic promise and intuition that he was born with responding to the prophetic promise that he must be a witness. Like that the light doesn't end with him. Savior God didn't just come for me. I am now a witness to the light so that all might know. And so there we see the first expansion, the first explosion of his light for the sake of life is in the man of John. I got to be a witness. I have to be a witness. And then in John 1, it continues on and it says this about Andrew, who's one of the disciples who hears John's testimony. And the scripture says the first thing Andrew did did you get that? The first thing he did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, which is translated is Peter. And then next, Jesus called Philip. And the Bible says this in John 1.45, immediately, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of of Joseph, there was an immediate response to the light. The light wasn't for me. It doesn't end at me. The first thing they did was realize that they would be a witness, that this kingdom, this government, this peace must go forth and it must expand at a rapid rate. And so we look at chapter two and, and Jesus breaks through at a wedding. He turns water into wine, his first miracle. Get your head around that. And then picking up in John chapter 4, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman, which I'm not going to go into all the details, but he meets this woman at a well, which he never should have had an encounter with. It was, it was offensive to culture. And, and he begins to talk to this woman who was broken. She was hurt. She was on her fifth husband, and, and life hadn't gone the way she planned. And they have a great exchange. But what happens is this. The woman leaves her water jar. And she went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Continuing on, it says this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Did you get that? Because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, because of his words, Many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior world. If, there, if you're not convinced that there's power in words in the proclamation of the gospel, we're going to continue on. And it says this in John chapter 4. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. 
Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. This is a scripture you could base your life on. It says this, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. Here it is, the, the explosion of the gospel, the expansion of the, the, the gospel. So he and his whole household believed. <laughs> See what happens when one light shines in the darkness. Someone sees that light in the darkness and say, I, I got I to be a witness. And then the first thing Andrew does is he, he tells what we know now is Peter. And then, and then Philip tells Nathaniel. And then they're on the road. And this Samaritan woman has to tell somebody. And then the whole city's saved. And then they're on their way. And, and, the, and the, this man believes the word of Jesus. And his son's healed. And his whole household is saved. Can we get our heads around that there is power in the declared word of God? Just as God said, let there be light, and there's no end to his universe, there's no end to his creation, there's no end to the expansion, so it is with the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. There's no end. And it continues on, and we see it past the disciples, and and there's Peter in Acts chapter 2. We're not going to go into all of it for the sake of time, but Peter stands up, and what does he do? He declares with his mouth, the testimony of the resurrected Messiah. And thousands were saved in that moment. And scripture says that God added daily those who were being saved to their gatherings to the church. Because Peter proclaimed, he declared the word of God. And uh, there's been a lot about 2020 that has been about declaring the word of God. It's been prophesied over and over, this would be a year of declaration. And I say yes and amen. And look, I, 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 want, I don't want to burst your bubble. Um, well, I do want to burst your bubble. Because it wouldn't be church, right? Unless someone burst your bubble. Um, <laughs> you know that, that old saying, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary? I'm so sorry. But it is theologically incorrect. The God... Words are necessary for the gospel. It's the, it's the power of the declared word of God. See, in, in, in Mark chapter 11, it, Jesus didn't say, be kind to this mountain and it will throw itself into the sea. Be nice. Be generous to this mountain. Don't say anything. Just be a nice, positive presence and this mountain will throw itself in the sea. He said, no, if anyone says to this mountain, Grow, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. See, because there's power in the word of God. God said and creation happened. He sent his word and life happened. And so for us as a church, there's power in God's word, the declaration. Please be kind. Please be generous. Don't always use your words. Some of you need to use less words, but let's be honest, we can't skirt around the idea that the gospel requires proclamation, declaration, the preaching of the gospel, the the communicating of the goodness of God with our words. It's necessary. It's necessary, and there's power in what happens when they speak. And so I just want to talk about God's word for a moment. Is that okay? Amen. That's why we say amen out loud when someone says amen. 
There's power in declaration. Amen. Amen. So here's, here's a little, little bit of a lesson on the Word of God. There, in Scripture, we see two different prominent names for uh, God's Word. The first of those being Logos, which we would, we would see as, as the Bible, the constant written Word of God, which we have recorded in the Bible. The Logos of God, the written Word of God. The other one is Rhema. Uh, Rhema, we know this as the instant personal speaking of God to us. Both are absolutely necessary in our lives. We, we can't have one without the other, actually. It's really dangerous when you are someone who walks around aimlessly and just says, God spoke to me, God spoke to me, God spoke to me, God spoke to me. But all along, he, he's been speaking to you, and you have no foundation for what he's been speaking to you, if you know what I'm saying. So you can't just have rhema without logos. The rhema has to be rooted and established in the logos word of God, the written word of God, his promise to his people. Also, how boring if you have the logos without the rhema. If you just read this as a history book and, and you study it intently, we can see what that does to people, can't we? In the way the Pharisees lived their lives, they knew the scripture inside and out, backwards and forwards, and still they didn't know the author. They didn't know the Savior when he was right in front of their eyes. So we, we got to have both. And uh, God often, mostly always, uses his logos, his written word of God, to speak his rhema to us. And uh, I, I want to just briefly talk this morning about how it's really important to have the rhema word of God in your own life. It's really important to position yourself in a way that God would speak to you. In Matthew 4, 4, it says this, that Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word in that instance is rhema, but on every spoken word that comes from God. Every time he speaks to your heart, he speaks to your spirit, he speaks to your circumstance through a scripture, through nature, through experience through someone else's word, his rhema of God that comes into your life. And uh, I, 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 again, last week we talked about learning how to pray. Anybody appreciate that? Just six simple steps on how to pray according to scripture. This week, I just, for some of those you who, who may be newer to this experience, who maybe not have an active devotional life uh, day in and day out. I, I want to just explain a little principle. I still use this till this day. I, I don't think I'll ever graduate from this that you learn in Sunday school. Soap. Anybody aware of soap? Right? Scripture, observe, apply, pray. Soap is necessary daily or else you stink. <laughs> soap daily. This is really simple and helpful in the way that you approach God's word is that in the morning, I, I prefer the morning. I, I, I think it's really important for God to speak to us before anybody else does. And uh, you find a scripture and then you observe the scripture. You, you start to ask questions about the scripture. You, you begin to ponder surrounding scriptures and you take a good observation of that scripture. That, that's an opportunity for rhema to come. For God to speak to you through his written word, what you need to hear for that day and that moment. Anybody thankful for the observation of God's word? And then there's the apply, because soap's no good if it sits on the shelf. It has to be applied to your life. And so then you think, okay, here's the written and spoken word of God, and how do I walk out my door living the word of God? That's the application. And then you pray, because you're not able to do it without his Holy Spirit, without his power 
to help you walk into his promise and his destiny. So that's just a simple way uh, that you can wake up tomorrow morning, open your Bible to any scripture, and uh, just do some devotions with God. I, I still do it. I, I'm, I, I lead a church, and people think there's, there's like a seven-page, you know, now you graduate to like a seven-page workflow of like what you do every morning. No, I, I soap. I soap in the morning. It, it really helps me. It's important. And uh, why I, I believe in applying soap daily, because it's really important to have God's word for your life. And uh, look, I, I love email lists. I love other things. I love hearing what other people are saying, but that is no substitute for what God's saying to me. It gets a little bit dangerous when I start talking to people and all I hear them talk about is what other people said God said. <laughs> Well, he said this, and this network said this, and that it's YouTube channel said this, and this pastor. Like, I hope this week you talk about what God said to you way more than you talk about what I said to you. It's necessary that you would have a source of rhema in your life, and you do that by connecting to God's word, because his word is powerful. And uh, I, I love this in Hebrews chapter 5, it says this, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And uh, Look, one of, my, one of my favorite things, and it's so hard not to go into this every time, is when, when people come to church and, and they say, man, I, <laughs> I was going to that church, but they didn't preach the meat. I, I just want the meat of the word. I, I need substance. I, I need the meat of God's word. And so I don't go to that church anymore because they don't teach the meat of God's word. Can I just tell you gently and, and pretty pretty straightforward that if you're looking for meat to come out of the mouth of someone other person that's milk that's milk you are looking to feed off the reproductive system of another human being that's milk meat solid food you can only get yourself anything else milk and milk's good milk's necessary but i am not serving up steak this morning Steak, the only place you can get steak is between you and God and his word. You happy? <laughs> but milk's important. Milk is important. We hope to lead people by atmospheres like this and by teaching that they would, would learn about righteousness that would ultimately lead to a Monday morning and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and an active lifestyle with God. But don't look to this for your, your, your substance. This, this is milk. I hope it's good milk. It's organic. <laughs> it's pasteurized. Leave it to Austin. Wow. We're going to go home now. That was so good, man. Oh, that Pat? Pat did that. You guys should hang out because you both are like the pun masters. But Austin, you're way beyond your years when it comes to puns, man. You, you aren't even a dad yet. 
You're brilliant. Um, so two things about words that I want to say quickly. Your words have power. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its, pr- of its fruit. You aren't what you eat, you are what you say. <laughs> Did you catch that? You aren't what you eat, you are what you say. It's really important, the accent of faith that you keep on your lips, that you don't give in to the temptation of gossip, that you don't give in to the temptation of, of overwhelm and negativity and just sounding like all the other voices in the world. It's really important that you understand the power that's on your tongue, that life and death exist in the power of your tongue. And in Hebrews, it says this, that by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's what? His command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So this is what we can know about command. This is what we can know about declarations by faith is that there's stuff out there that doesn't exist yet. it's, It's invisible. It's not made visible yet. It's what we call the faith realm, the heavenlies. There's plans, there's purpose, there's miracles, there's salvation that exists in the faith realm. And what God did in creation is he commanded that that unseen realm become the seen realm. And so if we are made in the image and likeness of God himself, according to scripture, it means that we have power in our words, in our command, in our declaration to take what's in that unseen faith realm and make it known in the, the real realm, the, the, the natural realm. Our words have power. And this isn't positive self-help speaking your destiny. This is, this is scripture. Just what God's commanded us to do. And the other thing when it comes about to words, I, I, I would advise you to, to listen carefully. Pay attention to what you hear. What's the confession of those you're surrounding yourself with? Look, we love everybody and, and, and the door's open to everybody, but I, I want to be really mindful of the, the core people that are around, around my life. Uh, studies would show that you're the, uh, you're the result of the six closest people around you. And so what are the people closest to you talking like? What are they saying? Is life a drag? Is parenting a drag? Is there no hope for tomorrow? Is God failing on his promise? Are they constantly overwhelmed? Listen carefully because words have power. Their words will actually start to create a future for you and your life because you've surrounded yourself under the power of their declaration. Be really careful how you listen. Can someone say amen? amen? And also people will speak death over you. They will. That will happen. I promise you it will happen. People will hate on you. And can I just tell you, there's things you can hear, but you don't have to listen to everything. <laughs> Bring on all the words you want. I'm probably not going to listen. <laughs> but be careful that you don't start listening to what you should just be hearing. Does that make sense? Because people will hate on you because you're cool. And people don't like cool. And everyone in this room is cool. And the world's trying to drag you down. Anyways, I'm going to recap last week just a little bit as we wrap up. The, the team can come. The band can come. The best team on the whole Central Coast and the world beyond. Give it up. Um. I I talked about this sort of little encounter I had uh, at the beginning of the year. uh, I was, it was a Monday morning. I took my parents' RV uh, without them knowing against their will to Avila Beach. And uh, early in the morning, some light started breaking through the clouds uh, across the bay. 
I thought it looked cool, and so I took a photo of it, as you do. And then, and then I went and I started studying in, in the RV next to the water. And that light, I, I hope you can see it, became much more defined. That there was one beam in the sky, and that beam was really right over where you are right now in this moment. It was, there's the bottom of the Mesa and Arroyo Grande, and, and here we are at the Clark Center. And there was this defined light that was shining over the Clark Center. And I had received a prophetic word the previous day about the, the movie The Sword and the Stone. And I explained this whole story. Go back and listen to last week if you, if you need some insight on that. But and So after I saw this, I, I went and, and we're going to have some audio. I, I went and watched this video clip from The Sword and the Stone. And uh, I think it should play. There it is. So I was watching this. It seemed that the land would be torn by war or saved by a miracle alone. And that miracle appeared in London time. The So there's like this progression of things that happen where, you know, you, you saw that scene in, in, in Sword in the Stone. Uh, someone might need to help me out back there. I'm losing my clicker. Um, maybe. Yeah, so you see that, and then, and then you see what I really saw with my own eyes like that. And so I, I just started to catch on like, okay, maybe this is something. You know, maybe God's speaking about this light. And so last week we talked about light. But what was the light illuminating? Well, it, it was the sword in the stone. It was, it, it was the sword in the stone. And what we can know from Scripture about swords is this. In Ephesians 6, it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Here it is, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And what I genuinely believe is we, we started this, this morning talking about the expanse of the universe and, 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 and scientists right now are researching this and they are literally having to come up with new scientific methods to figure out why the universe is expanding at such a rapid rate. It's sped up. And one of the theories, which I think is really interesting, is that there's this, there's this, this structure in science called dark matter dark matter. And they think that it's the dark matter that's actually causing an increase in the universe. And so there's something about a little bit of opposition that's actually helping the progression. And what do we see in John chapter 1? In him was light, that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So there's something about a little bit of resistance that actually helps our cause a little bit. It's something about opportunities for light to shine in the darkness that, that the word would go forth and it would bring breakthrough, that the word would go forth and it would bring addiction. And a few weeks ago, you know, we talked about what's, what's, the, what's required for a miracle to happen. What's required for a miracle to happen? Not faith, not Jesus, not friends, not self-help books, not scripture, 
a problem. A problem is required for a miracle to happen. It's the one prerequisite for a miracle to take place. And so that light shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome. I think right now God's illuminating the word that is the sword of the spirit that would go forth in power. The declaration of his gospel, the declaration of his word that would actually go forth into really dark places, into really broken places, into really desolate places. And that word would bring lights that would point to the life. There's power in the declaration of God's word, the word of God. It's something that God's highlighting and illuminating. And just as the, 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 the universe is expanding, I, I think it's the same. And according to Isaiah 55, it says this about his word. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. He says this, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. His word goes forth and it does not return void. There's power in our declaration. There's power in his word. There's power in his promise. And this year in 2020, I believe that God is fulfilling and coming good on what he's been declaring, on what he's been promising and what he's been prophesied for generations, that there's something about the word of God that goes forth and there's no end to it. There's no place that's too dark, too broken, too addicted. His word can't go forth and accomplish what it, it intended to. Church, would you stand with me? We're going to close in, in prayer and singing just, just for a few more moments. And I just really believe that God wants to speak to his people individually for what you need, for where you're at, for your promise. And I got to say, I, 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 just as a testimony, I, I joke about John 1, 6. You know, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. But you know, that's actually my scripture for the year. It, it, look, it sounds really arrogant, but here's the deal. I talk myself out of the will of God all the time because I think there's someone more qualified. I think there's someone older. I think there's someone that should be appointed, that, that should take up the responsibility, that would do a better job. But you know what God said in the scripture? There was a man sent from God and his name was John. So I'm not gonna forego the responsibility, the calling and the promise that God has for my life because I think someone's better fit for it. No, it's fit for me. And that's my word. Don't take it. You got to get your own. I'm so sorry there's not other scriptures that say, oh, there is Mary scriptures. You go find the Mary scriptures. Any Bartholomews in the room? <laughs> but you got to find a word. You got to get a word, something that centers you, that's something that grounds you, something that causes you to wake up in the morning stirred and hungry beyond what someone else said, beyond something that you heard, something that God spoke. Because man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So would you close your eyes, bow your heads, and just if you're comfortable lifting your hands just in a moment before God, just you and God. Lord, I thank you for your voice. You're so faithful to speak to your people. 
And according to your scripture, your, your word goes forth and it accomplishes what's, what it, it's intended to accomplish. And so right now, first of all, I break off all the word curses. I break off all the stuff that's been declared over you that's not true. I, dec- I, I break off everything your parents said you wouldn't be or you couldn't account to. And, and your siblings, the competition by, uh, of your siblings, and they, they just declare death over you. They declare destruction over you. We break off those curses in Jesus' name. And right now, we speak the word of life. We speak a better word, the word of truth over you, that there is a hope and a future for you, that you are formed in your mother's womb, that there's a plan and a destiny for you, that he knows every hair on your head. He has, he has the best because you are his very best. Lord, so I thank you that that would settle over your people, that they would be confident before you and who they are because of your word, because of what you've said. And Lord, we know that that light's not just for us. We, we come as witnesses so that through us, others might know the light. And so, Lord, I ask that you put a word in our spirit right now to declare, whether it's for children who have walked away from the Lord that are not serving Jesus right now, I ask that you put a word in our spirit to declare that would take what's in the unseen realm and make it manifest in the known realm on behalf of prodigal children. Lord, I thank you for also for parents who have sick children. And because I feel like this is a word of knowledge, someone in this room has a sick child. And because they're sick and they have a chronic illness, they've actually, they, they've actually attributed that to God and his doing. So they're not serving the Lord. And so if that's you in this room, I prophesy over your situation. And I, I, I see God in his faithfulness bringing breakthrough in that child's life, that he's bringing healing, he's bringing revelation, he's bringing breakthrough, and that God is the saver. God is the heavy lifter, and he's reconciling that child to himself. And now all you got to do is declare the word. Declare the word. What's God say? on those with with business ventures who God has spoken that you would accomplish in your lifetime what no other generation has accomplished in their lifetime come on pick up the word and start declaring the word of the Lord over your life over your business over your future over all the employment that that means all the future that means all the economic gain that means come on start declaring the word of God the promise of God For those who have been struggling with depression and anxiety, I ask God that you would bring a word in season for those whose heads have been laid down. And God, I ask that you'd lift their head, that you'd lift the discouraged, that you'd give them a word in season. I'm not going to give you the word. God's going to give you the word. Be encouraged. Be inspired. Come on, be lifted up in your heaviness. He exchanges our our, our rags with garments of joy. Thank you, Jesus. And right now, we accumulatively, as a church, we declare every heart and every home. Every heart and every home. We take you at your word, God. And I ask that you would stir in us a hunger for salvation. You stir in us a hunger for souls that we would no longer be satisfied with what you have done. We, we'd, be, we'd be thankful, but God, we would have a godly con- discontentment until everybody's home and every house is filled with your goodness and your reconciliation. God, would your word go forth in power? In Jesus' name. We're going to sing together.
Let every knee, and I, I don't just want to sing in these last few moments we share together. Can we declare some stuff together? Come on, can the word go from our mouths and hold power to create on the earth what's only in the heavenlies right now? Can we do that, church, as we sing, let every knee, let every knee. And so if you would lift your voice and sing with us this morning. Come on, team, would you lead us? Well, I pray that you are feeling encouraged, inspired, and equipped to take on whatever you may be facing in this life. And hey, why don't you consider joining us? We meet every Sunday at the Clark Center in Arroyo Grande at 10 a.m., and it's always a good time. We'd love to have you with us. And for any more information, ways you can partner with us, please visit equipperscc.com. God bless.